0: All right, welcome in to the Fez Focus Pod NFL Week thirteen edition. Time is flying, my friend. How are you, Steve?
1: Hopefully no Trisca descophobia here on week thirteen.
0: Don't know what that means. Danger. G- give me the explanation. That Fear was Fear
1: of the Number 13.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. How was your Thanksgiving, friend?
1: Outstanding. Um, had the mini turkey, the hen, if you will. Okay. It's easier to cook. It's pre-cooked. You can't mess it up, and it tastes better, in my opinion. It tastes better. It tastes better. The smaller turkey versus the bigger. Oh turkey.
0: yeah, you all, like. There's a hard rule. You don't want a male turkey. Mm. You want if you've got if you've got to feed a bunch of people, you want two smaller turkeys. Now that's
1: an advantage play. Not for... not. Cost wise, but in terms of
0: taste wise, oh, yeah, like 14 pounds is about where you draw the line. It's
1: rumored McKenzie ate like five pounds of turkey and drank alcohol, and he went passed out in a comatose state after it. As hard as he's working, didn't get up till three in the afternoon.
0: Is that what happened, McKenzie? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's that's Chicago uh, Thanksgiving for you, right? Well, he was around his family, so you know he got shit-faced. That's the only way to survive with something like that. (laughs) Yes, sir.
1: Two seasons in Chicago. There's eight months of winter followed by four months of construction. I love the construction (laughs) season.
0: Uh, All right, let's get into things. Well, first, uh, listen, a feature segment now. Let's go with Fez Tales.
1: (laughs) All right, reminiscing, I've been in Vegas 20 years now. So it's pretty much uh, the 20-year anniversary I moved to Vegas. My buddy, the Midnight Cowboy, preceded me to Vegas. The Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, Mike, he's a great guy. He's in Jacksonville now. He got out of the industry, got back into the insurance industry. He's a former actuary, still does some actuarial work on the side, but more just general insurance work. But he, professional gambler, played a little poker, mostly sports betting. And he set us up, and I got to give him accolades. So there's no apps back this 2001. He found the absolute optimal spot to live. So it was the Meridian Apartments. Now they're condos. It's on the corner of Koval and Flamingo. For those who don't know, Vegas. So just start out at that corner with Caesars Palace and the Bellagio and Bally's and the the old Barbary Coast. And walk mm, less than one mile, like two-thirds of a mile east. And boom, there you will have it. It was the mecca of sports betting. We could walk out of the Meridian Apartments within half a mile, we could get to the two thirds of a mile, we could get to the center strip and bet there. We could walk across the street to Tuscany. They were Calneva, bet against the Calneva lines, walk over to um, the Lucky, now the Lucky Seven, formerly Terribles, and they had a Lucky's. Uh, sports book. there was a William Hill um, slash there's a Leroy's, excuse me, that was right at the um, the little ship. Can't remember the name of it. Um, there's a little casino that looked like a ship. Key Largo that was right across the street on Flamingo. Um, there were nice restaurants to walk to. You could McCormick and Schmicks, things like that. So we could hop right on Koval, boom, go out that exit. Spring Mountain, boom! Get into the wind, go on into the. Um, I don't think the wind was there yet. They were just. They were just finishing the wind, and but hop into the back way into the mirage, and we used to keep shoe boxes. We're, we're real good with security. So we had shoe boxes full of different casino chips. So we had chocolates, we had vanillas. we had all different denominations and like Mike would just grab like twelve thousand in chips and it wouldn't be unusual that he'd scoot out for the late games on the NBA and just put three thousand on like plus fifteen whoever was playing Phoenix that night right before the game tipped off for the Lakers when the market line was 14, almost everywhere else. It was good times and some real rogue numbers because uh, there were no apps, so you had to actually bet in person. Got to move around. Oftentimes the runners wouldn't work. All day long. They they work, you know, for their guys from eight AM until like five, six PM. We'd get all kinds of great bets oftentimes seven PM games, late starts.
0: This is where you lived when you first moved to Vegas?
1: Yeah, I actually moved there lived there two thousand one to two thousand and seven. And I I tell you, I loved that location. I loved the easy access. I loved I could go play poker on the strip and just walk home, you know, just like little. I mean, it wasn't the best part of town walking home, but it was fine. There was plenty of tourists walking there 24-7. They weren't getting robbed, and I belonged. So it was okay.
0: Do you know, uh, Mackenzie, uh, you may know, maybe Brad knows this. I'll I'll give Fez and then Brad the first shots and then I'll I'll let McKenzie come in cuz I think he's got a better shot than you two. Do you know what famous event happened at that intersection?
1: Which at the Coval and Flamingo? Yeah. I do not. Brad? That's where uh Biggie was shot?
0: McKenzie? Oh, man, that hurt
1: my heart. McKenzie? <laughs> that is where uh Tupac was reportedly shot. You know, others have different theories about what happened.
0: Okay, well, I, yeah, that's the uh, it, that's from my understanding. That's where the uh, that's where Tupac Shakur, who's a he is a hip hop star, a former hip hop star, <laughs> now dead. Fez, I don't know how.
1: Not a not aware. Okay, um, so little I, Johnny's not bumping Tupac. No, Tupac. No, the uh, but the I can tell you that there used to be some real rundown apartments that were close by, but they cleaned that all up. So it's actually a better area now. But one, one story, when we moved out in 2007, this was right when the bubble was hitting and everyone was trying to cash in on the housing, and they were trying to convert these apartments into condos, and they were selling them for 700000 each. Even with the recovery in the real estate market, I still think that those – uh, condos are worth about half of that, maybe three three hundred fifty thousand. Like today, today. Oh, so you can imagine how much people lost who bought them for seven hundred thousand back in two
0: thousand seven. I mean, would you buy one now for three fifty?
1: That's an excellent question. I or would. Have where to, are we at? I, I mean, have, come on, play the market. Let's I would go. have to do a little more research. I, I'm generally <laughs> bullish on all of Las Vegas real estate because the tax situation is so onerous in California that every year. There's people working from home that say, you know what, I can either move to Nevada or I can kind of move where I can buy a house or a location in Nevada and not pay the 13%. That's what I think it peaks at California state income tax, split my time and make Nevada my residence. I'm sure there's people who spend 11 months of the year in California that are residing quotes, in Nevada, not paying any state income tax.
0: All right. Let's get into the focus here, and let's look at the – you think – you and I disagree on this, so we'll, we'll have some discussion here. The college football order appears clear to you there's with only, the way that it's going to, to wrap up.
1: There's only one team that matters, all right? Everything else to me is so obvious, it's not even worth discussing. So, George is in. Who cares if they're one or sure. three? We, they're, they're in. With the win, Michigan is in. With the loss, they're out that's very sure. clear cut. Michigan's a slam dunk. Oklahoma State, same thing with the win they're clearly in, with the loss they're out. There is no discussion in my mind. They clearly are ahead of Cincinnati with the win.
0: All right? Oh, so you think they'll jump ahead of Cincinnati.
1: Clear it well it's clear cut that they're the number amongst the non-georgias, they're the um they're in. Yes.
0: I was surprised that the committee moved Oklahoma State ahead of Notre Dame. That was the one thing that jumped out to me was, I mean, o- Oklahoma State didn't cover. They, they they were okay. They beat Oklahoma, but they, they didn't meet expectation. Notre Dame had an easy game against Stanford. They destroyed Stanford. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. I thought it was odd that the committee jumped.
1: Not odd at all. It's a setup to get ready to have them jump Cincinnati. Okay. That's what's going on. So to me, they've already they're way past Cincinnati. Cincinnati's drawing dead versus Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Okay. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. C- same thing. Oklahoma State is in. Okay. In, in my eyes, and I'd be willing to back that up if you want. If you want to, if
0: no, I don't want any action. But I, I actually, don't, I, I don't think that they're a lock to get in because I think Baylor is live against them. But I, I agree, oh, with, you. Gotta they, I agree with you. They got to win. I agree with you if they win. They. All, I think all, that they're in. A
1: I, 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 I given. And like I said. Now, if things shake out differently, Cincy could be wound up being the three, and Oklahoma State will be the four. That could happen, all right. But I assure Ooh. you, if they're four and five, if they're four and five, I, I agree. Cincy's probably going to be. the If four. they put
0: Cincy in, they're oh, feeding them to Georgia. Yeah, yeah they're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to make an example. Like if they say, okay, this is what you guys wanted. Here, this is your champion. Here you go, and okay, they're going to feed up, him to Georgia.
1: Next <laughs> up, in our if they win, what are they rated? Cincinnati slots in clearly below. Oklahoma State, and above Notre Dame. That's a slam dunk. They, they, Notre Dame cannot. I agree. Um, so this, so, so that's their slot.
0: Although I also don't, it's not a lock that Cincinnati wins. I think Houston is a live dog.
1: All this is irrelevant. because okay. Because that's, that's we, we just base the, take, take the money line, take the no big money gotcha. line, calculate the 81% or whatever, and you think it's only 76%. But yes, all this, clearly all these teams have to win, or they're sure. dead. Uh, Notre Besides Dame. Besides Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Georgia's already in. They're not even. We're not even. There's three slots. Yep. Uh, Notre Dame's next on the totem pole here. All right. So we put them. They're, they need. They need these these teams above them to lose. Now here's sure. the wildcard. There's only one team that matters. Everything I've said is completely indisputable. It has. It has to be that way. I would back it up with substantial bets laying major vague that that's the order: Michigan, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. Okay. All right. Alabama is awkward. If Alabama wins, they're in. If they get blown out, they're out. But there are two scenarios. Alabama loses a really close game, and Alabama loses a game close to the spread.
0: Okay? Okay. Here's I'll hear your reasoning, and then I'll, I'll tell you why I differ.
1: I feel strongly if Alabama loses very, a very close game, they are not going to be able to jump Oklahoma uh, State. However, they will jump Cincinnati. The, the, because the committee doesn't want Cincinnati in there, and it's such an easy logic to say, now, wait a minute, Alabama we had above Cincinnati. Alabama exceeded expectations, played the best team in the country, and played them tight. They got to go in. We can't, we can't drop them below Cincinnati. That logic is sound. The committee is corrupt. Clearly, Alabama gets in if they lose by one, two, or three points. All right? I feel. Okay. Now, however, if Alabama should lose by, say, seven-ish Eight-ish, somewhere around there, not even meeting expectations versus the spread or certainly not exceeding them. I can certainly see the Auburn, the bad Auburn win and the like and the absolute revolt that's going to occur being enough that they say, you know what? We'll just feed Cincinnati to Georgia and let Georgia beat the living hell out of them. And, and they'll leave Alabama behind Cincinnati at that point.
0: Okay? Yeah. So I think that the Auburn data point, has really kind of used up all the equity that Alabama may have had. Like they, they, should have lost that game. They were not. They, they were the worst team on that day. It, there was some bonehead coaching decisions that saved b- by Auburn that saved Alabama's I, ass. I,
1: I agree with that, and that's why it takes a very close loss to get Alabama back into good graces. Because if you look at a two game skid, a two game set, if you win ugly against Auburn and lose. Um, spectacularly against Georgia, that's enough to get you back in the good graces of the committee.
0: Here's the one other thing that I think will will prevent them from doing this. If Alabama loses by two points, they would be the four seed and they would play Georgia again in the next game.
1: Oh, they can play they can play around with that. They can make Alabama the third seed.
0: Like so Alabama doesn't get punished at all for losing yeah. a game.
1: Correct. They absolutely can do that. They can do whatever they want.
0: They can do whatever they want. It just that just seems on. I mean, they They're could the, just put in Notre Dame over Cincinnati. I'll
1: be the committee. <laughs> Alabama was the number three team in the country. They just played the clear-cut dominant team, undefeated of all of all college football, to a standstill in an even game. How can we lower them? They're the three seed. I mean, okay. it's it's convincing. Now, where it gets really interesting to me is Alabama losing by like seven or ish. I've changed my mind on this. I would have put Notre Dame ahead of them last week. In fact, on Sunday, I would have put them ahead. But now I put them ahead of Notre Dame if they lose by seven because of the Notre Dame, the Kelly leaving. That is an. you think that's a negative. It's just enough. It is just enough to lose your coach when it's too close to call and you're flipping a coin who gets in to leave Notre Dame out. Yes. Here
0: is the argument that I would still make for Notre Dame. In like in the eyes of the committee, you're about to have a you're about to have a, a playoff where if chalk holds, there's no Alabama, there's no Ohio State, there's no Clemson, there's no Oklahoma. All your big brand names are out. They would love to have Notre Dame in in a year like that because I like Cincinnati and Oklahoma State being in in the same year. Is not good for the playoffs.
1: But Michigan is a brand name. Maybe they, they shouldn't be, but they are. They
0: are. Yeah. And, and Georgia is too. But none of neither one of those are as mm. big as the the brands I just mentioned. Sure.
1: Although Michigan so, Ohio State was the number one watched college football game of the year. So
0: I I just feel like if there was a year that they'd say man would be like especially television. Like, think about that. Michigan versus Oklahoma State, Georgia versus Cincinnati. But, but there is not a sexy matchup there. But this
1: doesn't matter when I compare Notre Dame and Alabama because they're both equal, equally sexy. Sure,
0: yeah. yeah. But sure. I, I'm I'm just thinking about what, like Notre Dame, the the argument to like if you like, the Brian Kelly thing, like still trying to finagle a way in. For Notre Dame. I
1: I do think I think the the Kelly thing may hurt them some. But the only team we can compare Notre Dame to is Alabama. No other team is comparable. Cincinnati is above Notre Dame. Notre Dame is above every all the pretenders below them. There's no I think you can compare Notre Dame and Oklahoma State? Not at all. I'd lay I'd lay I'll bet I'll bet you ten thousand to win a hundred that Oklahoma State if they win gets in over Notre Dame. Would you like to take that bet? Would you like to give me a hundred dollars? <laughs> the people want to see it. I'll tell you that much. Seriously, Mackenzie, what are the odds? Oklahoma State wins that that, and they're currently so Oklahoma State's currently ranked above Notre Dame, and they beat Baylor, and they put Notre Dame in.
0: It's almost that's that's why I said it's it's so mind blowing that they did it because I thought that it's that already would, done. Yeah, it's
1: already been decided. So I have tomorrow's newspaper, so we can't even discuss that scenario. It's already done. That okay. cannot that cannot occur. Yeah,
0: I should almost take that hundred dollar bet anyway, just <laughs> out of, out of I principle. Would
1: <laughs> I would do that. I would do that. I want the hundred up front. Um, the so so okay then. So sh- the only comparison is who gets in: Notre Dame or Alabama, and and if it, if Alabama loses. By about seven points, all right, and then and then the question: If Alabama loses by two, who goes higher, Oklahoma State or Alabama? Notre Dame, I think, I really think, is drawn dead. If Alabama loses a close game, there is no way the committee is going to put Notre Dame in over Alabama. If Alabama loses on in a field goal in overtime, I don't see any scenario that that even
0: though they just they just went to overtime with a six and six football team with a backup quarterback, they
1: still have their coach. Who the hell has Notre Dame beat? Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Screw you guys! You don't have your coach. Uh, Go to so, the Blue Bonnet Bowl for all I care.
0: Obviously, we made a wager a couple weeks ago on Notre Dame to make the playoff, and got the, the number at the time was plus five fifty. It's obviously a lot better now. Do you think that there's a way to hedge out of that?
1: Uh, no. I, well, there. Yeah, no. Because the problem is, is that there's too much. There's too much going on with the. Um, the different scenarios because we need Alabama to get their ass kicked by Georgia. Now you could say, Oh, we could play multiple three and four team parlays, but you can't just play the three team parlay of Michigan, Oklahoma state, and Cincinnati one, because playing big, Money line parlays in general is stupid, um, although everyone does it who's a sharp these days, but they're not really sharps. So they're just pretending to be. And the reason it's stupid is because you're, you're not getting the best number on each team. It's fine to play money lines. It's just not fine to parlay them all together and not get the very best of, of the numbers. But you could still lose. You could, you, could, you could parlay those three. And what happens if one of them goes down and then Alabama wins and they still don't get it? You know? So I think the way, to, the way I'm going to do it, selectively, I have a rule now. I'm not allowed to bet on Iowa. I'm not allowed to bet on Baylor. And I'm not allowed to bet on Houston. I only am allowed to because I desperately need these teams to win. Okay. Okay. I can take them plus a lot of points. Um, But in terms of any kind of money line or prop bets, in terms of things like, um, uh, as far as like Big Chuck, will Iowa win both the first half and the second half? That's the sort of bet I would lay, like, risk 15 to win a dollar those sort of bets because I would love for Iowa to win the first half and the second half it really helps me and it's not going to happen um but just in terms of selectively during live wagering and pre-flop I'm going to look for attractive money lines to bet yes on Michigan on Oklahoma State and maybe on Cincinnati although I, I really don't like Cincinnati at all against Houston so I might not it's such a I think it's such a negative EV I don't think I can do it would you agree with that? That, I, that would be the one to absolutely avoid. That's
0: the one that I would certainly avoid. Uh, I'm I'm just looking at a. Well, McKenzie asked, could we just parlay Oklahoma State and Cincinnati?
1: Yes, but I think the Cincinnati bet has massive negative equity. Because mm-hmm. because I, I if you ask all things being equal I want to bet Houston on the money line so right. so I hate to like b- b- hitch my wagon to that one but I tell you this I, I can watch all all of these games I don't I haven't checked if they're all going on simultaneously or not
0: no they're not and here's the here's the uh, the the odds pa- or the calculation for the parlay if you want to parlay Cincinnati money line uh, and Michigan money line and Oklahoma State money line. You get plus one twenty six,
1: and I could still lose. I could get middle right if if Alabama upsets Georgia. I get then I get middle. If I go two and one on the parlay, so I lose the parlay, and I and, and Notre Dame still doesn't make it in.
0: Right. Well, and I mean, if you want to do that, then maybe you you have to hedge even further and put a money line play on Alabama as Screw well. Screw that.
1: I'll go game by game. I'll follow it live. And if it if I get an attractive money line. Alabama 2-1 I, I, to I, one on money any, line. I, if I get an attractive money line on any one of these teams. Now, what's interesting about the Alabama hedge. I believe that if Alabama gets loses by 10 points or more, Notre Dame will get in over them. But if Alabama loses by like 6 or 7 points, I think Alabama is going to jump Notre Dame. I think it's too close to call right now. It's If you ask me right now, who go, who gets in, Alabama or Notre Dame? Given Alabama loses, I'd tell you, I don't know. I need to see how Alabama looks. So a natural hedge is to t- play Alabama not on the money line, but plus 7.5. Shop around, maybe we get a 7.5, because if Alabama, if, if we lose that plus 7.5, I'm pretty sure that Notre Dame's going to get in over them. And obviously I, I'd have to look and see how these other three teams are doing, but that's probably a bet. That I'm considering making. However, I think George is going to kill them. So again, I'm going counterintuitive to what I think is going to happen. I think George is going to win that game by double digits.
0: So, game times uh, the Baylor Oklahoma State game is 9 a.m. Well, noon Eastern time uh, on Saturday. Then the SEC game is 4 Eastern time on Saturday, same time as UH Cincinnati. And then the Big Ten game is at. Eight o'clock Eastern time.
1: Well, that's nice. That we'll know a whole lot. We'll probably it, it may well be obvious at that point what's going to happen, and then we can focus on the Michigan Iowa. And frankly, with the lower total on that game, I I would be okay with playing a money line on Michigan because what will happen? There's always going to people going to be people that are going to look to play the the underdog in spots like that, and maybe we lay minus. What three eighty, something like that. Right
0: now, money line, pretty much consensus is minus four thirty.
1: Yeah, so and I've got access to one hundred and eleven books, it seems. So you know, and like betting exchanges and things like that will get a more attractive money line. And then what you can do is you can always do a partial edge where you say, let's say you bet two thousand, you could say, you know what? I'll go ahead and take my two thousand and risk it and get the party started to win five hundred on Michigan, and then if Michigan just destroys them, you're like, okay, I got something back. And then I scores a touchdown like well now Michigan's only minus two thirty on the uh, you know live wagering maybe I put another thousand on them you see where I'm going.
0: Do you think that that Brian Kelly making and obviously making the decision to go from Notre Dame to LSU is is one conversation to have? Do you think him leaving before the the cards have been on the ta- have been put out on the table for this national championship thing? Do you think it it's telling? Like, do you think Brian Kelly knows that the Notre Dame is now a long shot?
1: No, he's getting ninety three million dollars. He just he he basically was told, you know, there's a lottery ticket and it won in Louisiana. If he can come down and pick it up in the next two weeks, okay. But I mean, right? I mean, come on.
0: I I agree with what you're saying. I just wonder how how valuable is an unscratched, you know, fourteen playoff ticket. I, I mean, I I think knowing that he'd be number four and probably have to play Georgia, maybe the writing's on the wall. But like the the fact that he's walking away before he's even sure that they're going to be in just seems like, man, that would have been a nice thing to have in your pocket.
1: $93 million?
0: Well, I mean, that's a nice thing to have in your pocket, too.
1: I, I don't think anyone's going to evaluate him. I mean, he's going to be at LSU. I'm sure there's some, some horrible, like, um, onerous um, contract, um, give backs if he leaves yeah. LSU. This could be his last job. I mean, and maybe his wife hates freezing cold, boring Indiana, where all they, they they have all these horse and buggies that are still driving along the you know the highways. And so no, they don't even have
0: highways in Louisiana, Fez. I don't know when the last time you went was, but
1: you, you, know, you bring up a good point. That New Orleans is probably the most major city. That I've ever been to. People say, have you been to New Orleans, Fez? And I said, I've been to the Beau Rivage. It's close enough.
0: You've never been to New Orleans?
1: Never been to New Orleans. Oh, wow. Never been Big Easy. Uh, Love James Grissom, too.
0: I've gone. This this last year was the first year that I – or COVID was the first year that I I usually go every year. And uh, didn't go during COVID, didn't go this year. So Mm. maybe my streak's broken. But uh, great town to visit. Not a great place to live, I don't think. Great town to visit.
1: Similar to Vegas in many ways. Uh,
0: You know what? I've enjoyed living here so far. Honestly,
1: you're not living in Vegas. You're living in
0: Henderson. That's true. That's true. I guess that does make a big difference.
1: Yeah, so right. you're like 22 minutes from from the Strip, right? Uh, like about 15, 15. Yeah, yeah. on but it's on highway too. On a highway. Yep. Yeah. The Strip uh, isn't in Vegas either. You know, it's in Paradise, Nevada. The city yes, of Las Vegas is. is like a third of what we think of Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, one of those things. All Fair right. enough. I agree.
0: Let's get into the NFL, and actually, let's start with a contest update. Where how are we sitting on your contests? Right. Now? I know you said you you ended up you you found out that
1: you had a piece of another Survivor ticket. That too has gone into the trash pile. So, just when I was all depressed, and I put on Big Country, I'd never seen you look like this without a reason. Another promise falling through. Another season passes by you. Season passes by okay. you. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's this? I take a look at, at Circa and I really wasn't paying much attention because I was frankly sucking in Circa, you know, chopping away for like the first 6 weeks, but um, swept the board last week and I am in 39th place in Circa Millions.
0: How many pay, how many places pay in that contest?
1: Either 50 or 100, I'm not sure. Okay,
0: so you're in a good position then. Yes. And how how where did the the 5 and 0 week take you from where to where?
1: Um to, from Nowheresville. To, thir- to 39th. To 39th. I probably was like 200th.
0: Okay. So, like I that. mean, really it's still – so there's enough people in that contest that a 5-0 and o week can can make you and an 0-5 week can basically knock you out of it.
1: What happened is I executed successfully Game Theory. I never submit on Thursday. Ever. Okay. Ever, all
0: right? But when's, I, the, when's the deadline? Friday?
1: The deadline's Saturday, 3 p.m. Okay. But I said, you know what? I need, I have ground I need to make up, obviously. I can't just play the obvious plays that everyone's playing, you know, the line moves, things like that. I'll submit all the games on Thursday because I like the games on Thursday. So I took the Lions, you know, I went ahead and took, um, uh, I bet against the Saints and took the Bills. And, I went ahead and put my picks in early, which I never do, all right? So right before the Lions game kicked, like literally 10 minutes before the Lions game kicked, I took the plus three on Detroit. So, and because of that, I changed my Sunday picks also because I used that based on the information I had on Thursday, not what I would have on Saturday. It turns out that information went south, closing line value went, you know, rip up your tickets type of deal. And so if you believe in closing line value, you landed on Pittsburgh, you landed on the Rams. The consensus did terrible this week. So a lot of the leaders went 2 and 3 1 and 4 while I was rolling a 5 and 0.
0: So if you'd waited till Saturday, like based on what you sent us, Rams would have been on your card, Pittsburgh would have been on your card.
1: Pittsburgh, yes, possibly Rams. Um Or no, yeah, because
0: you liked, I mean, we all liked the Packers early in the week.
1: Right, but the money was so strong.
0: Right, but this is one of those, and listen, that's kicked our ass in this contest all season long. No doubt. So you found a way to avoid it, honestly. This
1: week, yeah. (laughs) So I jumped, and so I went from like, I was like literally seven and a half games out of first, and now I'm three and a half games out of first. That never happens. You know, to to make up that much,
0: grade. and three and a half games out of first, obviously you still have a, a good shot to win it.
1: Yeah, and and uh, two games out of second.
0: Now, I assu- do you still play in a uh, the, like the obviously you're in the super contest, but are, are are the the super contest gold? Do you have a super contest entry as well?
1: I do, and it's not not competitive at all. It, do you use the same picks? No, that because there's different point spreads, so they're right. Ah, you know, okay, so okay, so and it just turns out. That example, maybe the Super Contest had Chargers two and a half, and Circa had Denver three. So, although I lean Chargers minus two and a half, I I use Denver plus three as a Circa pick because it was Thursday, and I really didn't know yet, you know what? I, what all based upon final injury reports and everything, And I said, you know what? I'll use Denver. No one's going to want Denver, so I tried to be a little contrarian, also.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to be following that closely. Hopefully, you uh, you get it to the window there. That's an awesome uh, awesome move over the Thanksgiving weekend. All right, let's talk about the NFL a little bit. And you've got a note here on NFL parity, which I tend to agree with. And I'll say I I tend to think that there's parity in that there's a lot of teams that are close to each other, but I also think the gap between the teams that are all close to each other and the bad teams is very wide. I don't think that. I think the gap between number one and number twenty-four is probably about the same as the gap between twenty-four and thirty-two. Mm. Is that fair to say?
1: As as it turns out, so my number one team, Tampa. If I go down to twenty-three, it's twenty-four is Miami. Okay, and I have almost a ten-point difference there. And then Miami to Houston's another six-point difference. Okay. Okay. So
0: maybe not quite that extreme. But the the bottom of the league is so dreadful.
1: There are four terrible teams.
0: The Texans... Are dreadful. The Jets are dreadful. The Lions are dreadful. The Jags is that your fourth yes. one? And honestly, let's face it, the Giants aren't far from that. the The Dolphins aren't far from that. Although they've gotten to build up their record playing those other shitty teams, well, and they've been and handling them <laughs> with, without a problem. Uh, so, the, so the, the Falcons did the same thing. The Falcons built up they well, built a castle they, on what, beating the shitty well, teams. Those
1: teams are much. Those teams are. What's what's like what, um, Brad, what's a word for mediocre that's slightly Worse than mediocre. Gotta get back to you on that one. <laughs> oh, let's go to the Yale grad Mackenzie. Uh poor.
0: They're poor. The other ones are just dog shit.
1: I need, I need something between go. poor and mediocre. Mm. All right. C minus teams. So we're no, we're D plus teams. We're talking about D plus teams face. Fal- are teams. you talking about Falcons, Dolphins, Falcons, Dolphins Giants? Giants. Yeah, okay. Those are D plus teams. I
0: think that's probably fair. But those yep. four, those four bottom feeders, those are F. FT te- and like Texans and Lions maybe F minus. Well, here's
1: the here's the interesting thing. So I looked at the yards per play. I go back to Matty Holt used to be down on wide a friend of the show. Matty Holt was been on the uh, DreamPod numerous times, and he he was always down with yards per play. And I was looking at the yards per play. This shocked me. So most years there's like some teams that are like. Outgaining their opponent by like 1.7 yards per play, dominant type of teams, a bunch of them by more than one, and usually there's like four or five that are like, you know, basically they're gaining like four and a half yards per play and giving up 6.3, you know, really bad, and no one is really bad. Like I look at Jacksonville and they're they're being outgained by 0.4 yards per play only. I'm like, what? Detroit only by 0.9. The Jets only by 0.9. I'm like, how is this possible? Your Texans did manage to get game They're like over one. one. Two, yes. There you go. But they're the only one. So I was like, you know, from a pure yards per play perspective, there's only one team in the NFL with the positive over one yard per play. So every time you snap the ball and I snap the ball, I pick up over a yard. That's the Buffalo Bills. And a big part of that is their propensity to do annihilate teams like the Houston Texans yeah. when they play teams like that. Yeah,
0: yes. so it's a front run. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's get into – the, you know what? Let's get into these injuries first. And one, it looks like Daniel Jones out, Mike Glennon in. What's the impact from between Daniel Jones and Mike Glennon?
1: Yeah. So I've got Daniel Jones as being half a point worse than an average. And I've got, um, one second, let me double check that. Uh, one point worse than an average quarterback. And Mike Glennon, three and a half worse. So two and a half point line move. Now,
0: that feels about right to me.
1: Now, the line was like three. Three, uh, three and a half, I'm sorry. It was three and a half in Miami, and then it went up to five. And I was told, I think, driving in, that there's been some money now on the Giants, which doesn't make any sense to me because that three and a half to five-point line move doesn't seem it's, sufficient to me. It should keep going up if it's Glennon.
0: I would think so, too. I'll say this. I think that—and this will be— uh, you know, I'll I'll ask you now before I present it to RJ and get told I'm a fucking moron or something. But
1: Like that Georgia bet you wanted to make minus 110. That's That doesn't look so moronic anymore, does it? Does it does not look moronic no, right does, now. Does
0: not. Uh, but I like the first half under in that game, uh, if we assume it's at 20 and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the Dolphins, the way their defense works is they blitz from different angles. Like their cornerbacks blitz, they... It's it's almost like a uh, they're built on confusion. It's uh, you know it's Belichick light, uh-huh. uh, and with Glennon out there, it feels like it's going to take him a while to to settle in. They're going to treat him with kid gloves, and Tua refuses to go down the field. I mean, it's dink and dunk all day. So I think this this is just going to be a really slow starting day. Uh, for these two teams. And really, the other thing is that the Giants, they're solid against the pass. So I think if the if the Dolphins are going to move the ball, they're going to have to run the ball, which means the clock is moving. I assume with Mike Glennon, there's going to be a lot more running the ball, clock moving. So I like that first half under 20 and a half.
1: I like that. And I've converted you. You don't like to play those under 41 and a halves anymore. You'd much rather play the under 20 and a half. Yes. It sure seems like, you know what? there's too many games that it's 7-3 at halftime and it still finds a way to go over or it
0: goes to overtime
1: yeah and <laughs> just 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 strange things can suddenly happen in games that are dead nut unders that are just you know beyond surprising well look look you know look at the Seattle game um where it's 9-9 forever and it still you know has scoring you know at at, at the very end of yeah. the game surprising amount of scoring so
0: uh, and then your second QB update. I, I from what it, all accounts now say, Jalen Hurts is going to play. Jalen Hurts came out today and said he's going to play. But if he doesn't, what's the drop off to Gardner Minshew?
1: Well, now this is interesting because I've got my numbers, but I disagree with my own numbers. I have you should j- change them. No, my numbers are right. <laughs> See, I've got Hurts being a half point better than Minshew. What do you guys think about that? Would you think he's more or less than half a point better than Minshew? Sounds about right to me. That's.
0: It's hard to say because they, if Minshew's out there, they have to play a different offense.
1: Well, that's the point that I want to make. That's why these conversion numbers don't work exactly because if if it was Minshew all year or Hertz all year, it'd be a half point adjustment. But if I have to go from the Oklahoma running attack to the stash and him being a statue and and not being you know mobile, that's a big adjustment to the offense. So it requires a transition period of at least three weeks, I believe. And so because of that, if they had to go Minshew, I would dock them a lot more for the first couple games.
0: But it looks like that's not going to be the case, so we may not have to worry about it, I guess, but that's something to think about, certainly, if they if something changes in the next few days.
1: I do think that that game sets up really nicely for the Eagles and that they had a phony loss against the Giants where – they won the stats, and they just turned the ball over four times. Now they get to return to the same stadium, so same routine, play a worse team in the Jets. It sure looks like they're going to roll.
0: Well, and it's also, I mean, you're, you're buying low on the Eagles, and you're actually selling high on the Jets for once. Mm-hmm. If I told you to guess, I, I'll set you up with this. Zach Wilson's QBR in week two against New England, the game that he threw four interceptions in, was 10. What would you guess it was this week in the win over the Texans?
1: So it's a trick question, obviously, because it'd be less than I thought. But all things, before you asked the trick question, I would have said, you know, right around 50. How about 9.8? Yes. 9.8.
0: That's
1: a good stat.
0: 8. In a winning game, the quarterback had 9.8 QBR. Not a good game
1: for your Texans offense. Not a good game game. No. But I don't,
0: I mean, even, you know, getting six and a half. With a banged up Jalen Hurts, I've got no appetite to bet on the Jets. None. I agree. So, all right. Well, the
1: Jets fail all the time in great spots. And this is the ultra rare (laughs) bad spot for the Jets. Normally it's a good spot. Normally they're off a blowout loss. Right. Uh, Now they're off a, a solid win.
0: And you've got something here that I think is very interesting. This is the first 17 game season. How do you think it's going to impact? player props as the season goes on.
1: I think it's very dangerous to play guys like Brady, to play um, players um, that could open up double-digit leads to go over, because I think we're going to see more and more teams are like, let's get Mahomes out of the game. Let's get Brady out of the game and have him on the sideline. I know Brady didn't play like the last six minutes or whatever in their their last win, but I think that that's going to become more and more common load management on these players, where we didn't see that at all with players like Derrick Henry in Tennessee last year and the prior couple of years. But I think that's that the memo is going to go out. Hey, we got to get these players rested for the playoffs.
0: Do you think the 17 games, though, like some of that? impact is mitigated by the 7th playoff spot and now more teams have a chance to make it in so everybody's got to give a little bit more effort than you know it typically it's not going to be decided uh, in going into week 17 there's going to be a playoff spot that still has to be decided in the last week of the season if not multiple
1: i don't think it changes anything because i'm only talking about fourth quarter blowouts i'm talking about okay. fourth quarter where you clearly have the win and we would see you know, we would see years where like Andrew Luck would play every single game, even though he was perennially injured, yeah, you know, even when they're up seventeen at the end. And I think we are going to see more uh, situations where a team's up twenty. And we're not going to see that quarterback take that last series.
0: All right. That does it for another episode of the Fez Focus Pod. I'm A.J. Hoffman. He is Steve Fezik. We appreciate you guys. Thanks, McKenzie. Thanks, Brad. And we will have a dream preview to you later tonight, early tomorrow, whenever it is, you'll have it. Uh, but where we, where we go through every game on the Week 13 board. Appreciate the time, and we will see you guys next week.